Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. and jabs look at female boxing this is episode number 87 straight smack in the middle of the COVID-19 quarantine my name is Felipe Leon and staying at home in Riverside County is Mr. David Avila David how you doing tonight good Felipe how are you good good thank you and also with us all the way up in Northern California so happy that (laughs) Uh, what is that? Uh, homeschool has finally ended for the year. Is Miss Lupe Gutierrez? <laughs> Hi. Hi, we have a um a class parade in the cars, so we're all gonna get in the cars tomorrow at twelve forty-five. Drive around, honk our horns. And that's the way it near ends. The, near on, the school? On to middle school. Yeah. It, he, yeah. Fifth grade okay. on to middle school. So he 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 just your son graduated sixth grade. A fifth grade. And oh, then so, okay. Over to middle. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because that's kind of different than when at least I went to school. I'm sure when you got to school, it was sixth grade, and then you would go to junior high. But now it's sixth grade to eighth grade, middle school, and then you go to high school. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I went to Catholic schools, and we went through eighth grade, so one to eight, and then we went to high school. I liked it that way. How about you, David? Uh, I went to public school till I got kicked out, and then I went to. Catholic high school. And I barely survived. Barely. In East L.A.? Uh, well, in East L.A., I went to public school. But in high school, I went to Catholic school in Montebello. Uh, that's right. That's next, the next like county or uh, town over, right, from East L.A.? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a few miles up. Where did you go? Why, why do you say you barely oh. survived? Sorry. Why do you say you barely survived? Was it rough, or was it just school? Uh, no, because I got kicked out like 50 times. From Catholic oh school? Yeah, from Catholic school. Um, I was a bad oh, boy. Okay. Uh, and there you have it, <laughs> Mr. David Avila. You didn't have to write a book or something to tell us about those escapades. But the one that did write a book, the one that did write a book um, is our guest tonight, Miss Alicia Doyle. She'll be with us in about 15, 20 minutes. Um, the book's name is called uh, The Fighting Chance, with her, her story of how she took up boxing in her late 20s, in the late 1990s, um, as a reporter. She was doing a story on a um, boxing gym, and we're going to find out what led her from being a newspaper reporter and writing about a boxing gym to actually strapping up and jumping into the ring. She had a, somewhat of an amateur career. And then she went pro with her pro debut uh, named the year 2000 California Female Fire of the Year. So she'll be talking to us all about that in about 15 to 20 minutes. But before we go into the little bit of news that we do have for you guys, and for the first time in about a month and a half, almost two months, we actually have a future fight calendar. There's actually some fights 
on the horizon, which we are going to talk about closer to the end of the show. But like I promised you guys on our last show, I did go back and do an extensive uh, report of the past shows here of the two-minute round. As you guys know, this is episode number 87. We've done 87 shows um, of this podcast every other Thursday, or we try to do it every other Thursday. Sometimes we have to skip some weeks because either Mr. David Avila or another host or myself, for whatever reason, we can't make it. But throughout the years, a, a, a little bit over four years, in fact, We've done 87 shows. We had a number of different guest hosts or hosts. Not, uh, hosts. Obviously, Mr. Avila and myself have been here um, for the for all of those shows. For the majority of the shows, that um, Ms. Lupi Gutierrez is actually one of the, our, our co-hosts that has been with us the longest as well. But we also used to have oh, wow. Miss Elena. What's that? No, I just said, oh wow, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, actually, yeah. Lupe, you're coming. You're co- actually you're coming up on your debut. You actually debuted with us on June 5th of 2019. So it's almost a year in a, in a couple of days. Wow. It's going to be a year, part in less than a wow. week. It's going to be a year that you've been with us. And our host, when you were with us for our first ever show, was Sinesa Estrada. So that was on June 5th, 2019. And since then, you've been our are the third host with the most appearances uh, besides Mr. David Avila and myself. We also used to have Elena Baby Doll Reed, former fighter. She was with us um, early on in the beginning, but unfortunately um, she had to kind of step away because she, I think she got a promoted to a different job and her, and her family and everything. And we love having her here. Um, she was great. And then we also had um, Amy Green for some shows, the publicist out of the Midwest. Uh, we had Tara Zia, a writer out of Southern California. She was with, with us for a couple shows. Even Melissa Sainville, the former international WBC super featherweight champion, guest hosted for with us one time. And then also, uh, what's her first name, Ms. Cavetto, David? Uh, Elizabeth Cavetto. Elizabeth Cavello, she was actually with us on our second show uh, for one time. Out of the 87 episodes, including this one, um, with Miss Alicia Doyle, who's going to be calling in a little bit, that's going to be our 54th different guest that we ever had on the show. So we've had 54 different guests, with some of them being on the show multiple times, with tied up with first place, and with four appearances each on this show is Miss Tiniesa Estrada, uh, the current interim WBA flyweight champion, and um, the current WBC bantamweight champion, Mariana Juarez, has also been with us um, for four shows. I'm not going to go over all the 53 different um, um, guests that we've had, but we know we've had Jessica McCaskill, as you guys all know. We had Raquel Miller. We've had Layla MacArthur multiple times. We've actually had Clarissa Shields a couple of times. Um, we have Adelaide Reese out of here in Southern California. You all guys know that we've had one of our favorite guests on here, Mr. Brian Cohen, has been with us a couple of times. Uh, Ms. Lupe Gutierrez's sister, Blanca Gutierrez, has been with us a couple of times. No nepotism at all, because the first time was way, way before Lupe was even on our show. It was when she was being inducted into the 
into the uh, uh, WBAN um, or one of the Hall of Fame. She was being inducted, so we invited her on the show. We actually had Melissa McMorrow on the show in the past. We've had um, Tom Loeffler. We had Eric Gomez. We had Mark Taffet. We had Lou DiBella a couple of times, I believe, or at least one time. So we've had a bunch of names here on the show, and obviously we're going to try to have many, many more. But tonight, in a couple of minutes, hopefully Miss Alicia Doyle will be calling in to talk about her book, The Fighting Chance, her story of how she took up boxing in, the late, in her late 20s about 20 years ago um, and tell us her, that whole story of how all that developed. So be, at, in the meantime, while she calls in, uh, let's get into a little bit of fight chatter because boxing, it is going to start picking up. Um, California and some other states have opened up. California is right about to step into phase three of of uh, reopening um, in some counties. The restaurants have opened up with, uh, you know, some dining in there, um, uh, some barber shops, some salons, some bars, some shopping malls, uh, things of that nature. And actually today, Governor Gavin Newsom here in California uh, put out a, a, a report that rules of opening of boxing gyms are, I mean, not boxing gyms, but just gyms in general are going to be coming out pretty soon. So they're going to put out the rules of what's it going to take for the gym owners to follow to open up gyms in general. Although there are rumors, I've seen a lot of rumors that boxing gyms are open throughout California, but you know, they're not making it public. And obviously they're not letting in the general public, but they are letting in, um, you know, the professional fighters and things like that. Now, Lupe, your sister owns a boxing gym. And I know for a fact, because I've been following you guys on Twitter, that she has no intention in opening up until the governor says it's okay, correct? Correct. She um, she wants to protect. I mean, first of all, she wants to do what is being told by the CDC. And she wants to protect the kids. She wants to protect the you know the gym goers and um and and also if she was here she'd say she's enjoying she's working from home she's enjoying time with her family and that's actually family time for her right now her and her two kids and her husband go to the gym and work out okay so she's she, she's going to her gym but she's not opening up to the public which is perfectly fine i mean mm-hmm. they're the only ones in there yes only one Kupalanka. yeah well I one know. news that's going to be great too one story, and before we move on from um, from that, I do want to remind, well, I want to announce here, I will remind you before the end of the show that Ms. Blanca Gutierrez, the owner and founder of the Beautiful Brawlers program out there in uh, Northern California, along with Lupe Gutierrez and Marta Salazar, former WBC uh, heavyweight champion, um, you guys are going to be doing a Facebook Zoom call to talk about amateur boxing and professional boxing and have some guests on the show, I believe, tomorrow afternoon. Correct, Lupi? Yeah, it'll be tomorrow, 5 p.m. California time. On uh-huh. uh, We're going to do a Zoom call on Facebook Live. Okay, so to, follow, to be able to get on there and watch you guys, they have to follow the Beautiful Brawlers uh, uh, actually, Facebook. Actually, yeah, actually, it's going to be, she has her beautiful brawlers, and 
I don't know if we'll be able to, we'll probably share it there, but we're doing it on um, my Boxing Meets Beauty. So it's Boxing Meets Beauty, and that's on Facebook, and that's when we're going to have our call. 5 p.m. California time, we're going to talk um, all-female combat sports, and we will let you guys know who we're having on the show in the morning. And you're going to be posting that on Twitter as well. That way we could just retweet it, and if you yeah, can follow myself. Or... So you want to follow yeah. us on Twitter, and that way you guys know uh, Mr. David Avila is at Avila Boxing. That's his last name, A as in Apple, V-I-L-A Boxing. Lupe Gutierrez is busy b-i-z-z-y b-0929 and myself felipe leon is s as in sam diaz and david fights on twitter so um we'll be retweeting it you guys go go on there and talk to lupi and blanca gutierrez about amateur boxing um they have an amateur team they've traveled all over the united states and into canada as well and they put on one of the biggest female amateur shows in the united states out there in the california's um, uh, Bay Area um, near San Francisco so they'll have a lot to talk about now that boxing might be coming back in full swing and it is in June. Top Rank has announced that they are will be putting on at least for the whole month of June shows on and I believe July too because they've been announcing some dates in July as well but starting off in June they're going to put on fights starting June 9th and we're going to talk about that later on in the show um Tuesdays and Thursdays with about five fights every Tuesday and Thursday on ESPN. And um, there's going to be a female fight featured on June 9th, and we'll talk about that later on the show. Now, another announcement that was made earlier today as well is that on June 27, Promociones del Pueblo, who arguably you could, it, it's between them and Sanford, um, the two biggest Mexican promoters, in Mexico, obviously, um, they are going to be starting on June 27th, Promociones del Pueblo, on the biggest terrestrial channel in Mexico, Televisa, and featured on their first fight card for June 27th is going to be none other than the WBC Bantamweight champion, Mariana Barajuarez. That was announced today. No opponent was named, but it's not going to be Jackie Nava because Jackie Nava is going to be featured on the first... Um, on the first fight card by Sanford on the Azteca channel, which is the smaller competing terrestrial channel in Mexico. And I believe her fight, whose opponent has not been named either, um, is going to be on the second Saturday of June. And Promociones de Pueblo stated that they're going to be going every two weeks, whereas Sanford is going to be going every week, at least in the beginning. So that is something that was announced earlier today. So at least in Mexico, boxing is going to pick up this month in June, obviously in the United States as well, at least for top rank in Las Vegas. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show, plus other fights that are pretty close to being made. But with that said, actually, I think she fell out. We'll wait till she calls back because I believe that, uh, that Alicia Doyle was on the line with us, and she uh, she got dropped. So we'll wait for her to call back. So um, as I as uh, here we go. So then with us now is um, the author of the book called Fighting Chance: Her Story about picking up boxing in her late twenties in the nineteen nineties. So we welcome to the show author Alicia Doyle. Hello, everyone. How are you? 
Good. Thank you for being with us, Alicia. Uh, my name is Felipe Leon. This is a two-minute round. Uh, we do have, it's myself as uh, one of the hosts, as well as Mr. David Avila um, and Lupi Gutierrez. So I'm going to pass you on with David. Then um, Lupi will take a crack at you, and then we'll finish it up with me, okay? So, David, go right ahead. Awesome. Alicia, thank you very much for calling Uh there's a lot I want to ask of, uh, about your uh, background. Uh, t- tell our listeners how you got involved in boxing. Well, I discovered boxing, or I could say that boxing discovered me when I was 28 years old, working as a newspaper reporter in Ventura County. And I got an assignment to go um, cover a story at a boxing gym for at-risk youth called Kid Gloves Boxing in Simi Valley. The gym was destroyed by El Nino rains in the 1990s, so my job was to go out and report on the damage um, in an attempt to raise funds so that Kid Gloves could open in another spot of town. But from that assignment, I, I fell in love with the sport and started to train, and from there it just was full speed ahead. And, and you were you a sports reporter or were you a general uh, reporter? Oh, that's a great question. No, I was not a sports reporter. I actually covered crime and education and community news. And because Kid Gloves Boxing was such a huge presence in the Simi Valley community, I was sent out to to write that story because uh, the owner of that gym, Robert Ortiz, has owned Kid Gloves Boxing for many decades and helped a lot of kids uh, with um, challenges overcome their difficulties through the sport. So that was my role, was to report on this wonderful philanthropist in the community and to raise awareness of the fact that um, this place, Kid Gloves Boxing, really helped these at-risk children um, raise their self-esteem and their confidence and help them deal with a lot of their struggles. Was there any particular point or particular thing that just grabbed you and made you want to try it that you can remember? Yes, um, that's another great question. I was reporting on Kid Gloves just as a journalist for many months before I actually got into the gym. And Robert Ortiz had asked me numerous times to take an aerobic boxing class, um, but I never took him up on it. And what got me into the gym that day was I had gone through a really volatile breakup uh, with a boyfriend who hit me more than once. So uh, needless to say, I was pretty angry about that. So I went to the gym the next day because I just wanted to hit the heavy bag as hard as I could over and over again. And after I did that, I felt better. So before I knew it, I was taking several classes a week, and I wanted more. So I watched the boxers from the sidelines and watched their training and just started to mimic their moves and study them and then started doing it on my own on the sidelines. And because I trained so hard and because I was one of few females in the boxing gym at the time, other coaches from other boxing gyms started to notice me. And at one point, I was approached by a wonderful man named Stan Ward. And in the boxing world, he's known as Coach. And he, Mm yes. And um, he he passed away not long ago. So that was a really hard hit uh, because he was like a father to me. But it was Coach Stan Ward. Who, who got me into the fight game and was in my corner and was an amazing coach, an amazing mentor, in addition to Robert Ortiz, who also worked my corner for several fights. Oh, okay. So you mm-hmm. were with uh, Stan Ward. Uh, for, yeah. for our listeners, he was a heavyweight in, in his day and a really good heavyweight. And uh, mm-hmm. he coached and trained fighters in the Southern California area for many, many mm-hmm. years, uh, just recently passed away. 
And uh, mm-hmm. I think he, he did. I mean, I think if I'm not uh, mistaken, he also trained uh, Jennifer Barber. I'm not, I believe uh, so. I believe so. Yeah, um, I did yeah. know he had other girls. But um, when I partnered with Coach, it was a really exciting time for women in boxing because there weren't that many of us competing. Right. Uh, Stan told me that there were only about 400 women in America competing at the time when I joined the ranks. And he was looking for a girl fighter. But he wanted somebody very particular. And he picked me because he thought I was a great athlete. But he also wanted somebody who was well-spoken because he understood the importance of females in the world of boxing and our, our goal to earn legitimacy as athletes in this man's world. Um, coach understood that. So he was just um, a, a wonderful role model. And uh, he was a tough coach. I'm not going to lie. Um, he was a very tough coach. But, um, you know, he worked my corner uh, through, through uh, tournament fights. Um, he was there for my, my Golden Glove championship fights. Um, he was a remarkable man. And which, where was this gym located? Um, with Stan Ward, I trained at Benny the Jets in Van Nuys in the San Fernando oh, okay. Valley in Southern mm-hmm. California. Yes. So that's the gym that wow. uh, coach trained out of. So when I went, when I left kid gloves to train with coach and walked into Jets and Jets is a very serious, um, training facility. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, the only girl of course. And for, for the longest time I was just known as coach's girl. They wouldn't even call me by name, um, but I would train alongside these guys. They did not take it easy on me, and um, I made my way, and I earned their respect through literal, through blood, sweat, and tears. And then after I, I fought my first fight, then they accepted me as one of their own because at that point we had shared this unique experience of one-on-one battle in the square. You mentioned that you were in other sports as well. What other sports uh, were you involved um, so I was not involved in anything like as serious as boxing. I had done, mm-hmm. you know, aerobics, uh, not, no contact. I did Taibo for a long time for cardio. It's great cardio. But um, I, I never – boxing was the most difficult sport I've ever engaged in in my life. And what was it like to, to, to get punched by another professional, <laughs> which is a different <laughs> experience? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, well, obviously, yeah, you know, in amateur fights, you know, you're, you're, you're protected, you wear the headgear, you wear bigger boxing gloves, you know, in a pro fight, there's no headgear, the boxing gloves are eight ounces, so you might as well just be getting hit with a closed fist, so, um, and, and there was nothing that could prepare me for the pain factor in my pro fights. You know, you go through sparring, you spar with these guys, I'm sparring with these men, but we're still protected with headgear, and they're hitting me with, you know, 12-ounce gloves. So there was nothing that could prepare me for for the the hurt factor of an eight ounce glove. But you know, you're in the ring, you're in the battle, you're right there. You got the crowd around, you got television cameras. You know, it's it, you 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 know, it's there's no backing down at that point. But what was it like? Uh, were you still a journalist? Are you were you still a journalist when you were boxing? Yes, um, that's another great question. So. I was still working as a newspaper reporter when I started to take uh, competing more seriously. So I would work my eight to five shift as the reporter and um, I'd take all my boxing gear, go to the restroom and come out in all my gear. And they used to joke uh, in the newsroom that I was like the, the female Superman, you know, transforming. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was gnarly, you know, but a lot of boxers deal with that. A lot of boxers have full-time jobs and then they, they get up at four in the morning, they do their road work, they go do their jobs and then they're back at the gym. And then the same thing occurs the next day. 
So um, it was a very strict regimen, but I, but I loved every minute of it. I, I loved my job. I loved being a journalist. But I tell you, when I got into boxing, I couldn't wait to get back in that boxing gym. <laughs> I can imagine. Mm-hmm. But right? As a journalist, you're used to, you know, checking facts, to, to doing your research, uh, to mm-hmm. knowing what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. How did that help you as a boxer? I was very aware that I was engaging in a very dangerous sport. I was also aware that some boxers die in the sport. And it helped me knowing the imminent danger that helped me with my training. I trained very, very hard. And also because I was, I came into the game late. I was 28 years old when I started competing. So a lot of, all of my competitors were younger than I was. Um, I knew they had youth um, on me. So I would train even harder to, to get my stamina, my endurance up, um, so that I could, you know, hang in the ring with these girls. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass you on. I don't want to dominate your time. I'm going to pass you on to Loopy. Loopy, I know you have a dozen questions. Go ahead, Loopy. <laughs> Hi, Lucy. <laughs> Hi, Alicia. It's really nice talking to you. I love your energy. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. And your your brother, Robert, is, is such a lovely young man. Wait, my brother... Robert Cartagena? Um, oh, no. You know what? He's my boxing brother. You know, he's... Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, he's um Northern California. Uh, he's media out here. And he's actually, when he heard that you were going to be on the show, he was like, that's weird. I just read the book. And he just read it like a few weeks back. Wow. So oh, yeah, you so, as sister. <laughs> I know. So, that's it, yeah, that's great. And, you know, I was also t- uh, texting with Sue Fox earlier, and she yes. says that you'll be at the International Women's uh, Boxing Hall of Fame in 2021. Yes, I'm very excited and honored to be a part of that. Yeah, were you supposed to be there this summer? I was, but it got rescheduled <laughs> Yeah, because of you know, everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So David was inducted last year, and Felipe creates the programs each year. What's your connection to Sue? I met Sue uh, through Layla McCarter. Uh, my competitor, oh. Layla McCarter, yes. Yeah, so she's, uh, you know, a, a world champion now, Layla. But um, she was my competitor back in the 90s. I, she was the first girl I stepped into the ring with. But Layla was such an incredible female role model for me in the sport, um, so we reconnected as a result of the book, and she mentioned Sue Fox to me. So that's how Sue Fox and I connected. And Sue is an amazing female pioneer in this She sport. really is. So I'm very, yeah, is. I'm very honored. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, so without spoiling anything, for those who have not yet read The Fighting Camp, can you mm-hmm. share anything about Layla McCarter that you included in your book? <laughs> I'm sure, and I don't want to include any spoilers, but... Um, I will say that I remember every fight like it was yesterday. So my book includes a play-by-play of every fight, you know, the thought process of me in the corner, you know, the the banter between me and my cornermen. Um, But it also talks about every fight. And my first exhibition match was against Layla McCarter. And I'm not going to tell you the outcome of that exhibition. But, um, you know, Layla's a tough girl. She's an amazing Mm -hmm. athlete. Um, And she's still a tough girl. Oh, yes, she's, um, she's remarkable, and I love that she's, you know, still at the forefront of women's boxing because she's such a mm-hmm. positive female role model. Um, but I ended up stepping in the ring with her again um, 
without knowing I was going to step in the ring with her again. So that, of course, is in the book. Um, The book is about boxing, but it goes much deeper than that. There's a lot of layers in the book. Um, You know, the fight scenes, you know, of course, they're exciting, but it's more about the emotional um, process that I had to work through and how boxing was my salvation. I had dealt with quite a few issues. Um, from childhood, you know, growing up um, in a violent household, of being, you know, mm-hmm. a survivor of domestic violence, you know, th- those, you know, I touch on all those threads in the book. So, you know, it includes a lot of those things as well. It's a story of overcoming um, the darkness in my own heart and my mind and, and just mm-hmm. getting through to the other side. Um, it's about female empowerment, but it's also about em- empowerment on any level. And, you know, that the only way out is through. Oh, and the fight starts with from within. My life can be a battle. Life can be a fight. But you've yes. got to stay in the fight. You've got to stay in the fight. You yes, know? and there's that saying that we all say, we, we keep hearing it, a boxing saves lives, and it sounded like mm. it's the same is true for you. It absolutely did. Um, <laughs> yes, and that's why I say, uh, I, I believe it's very serendipitous that, I found boxing or that boxing found me because I had been dealing with quite a bit of stuff that I had ignored and suppressed Mm -hmm. and was too ashamed to even talk about. And, and boxing transformed me in a way um, it helped me transcend a lot of that darkness and come through on the other side. Boxing did that for me. Boxing did save my life. Wow. You know, you, you say that you wrote, you remember every fight. So you fought a couple yes. times at the Blue and Gold, the Blue and Gold um, in Southern California. Was that yes. was that at Compton? Because it's in Compton now. Was that in Compton at the time? This was in Baldwin Park. Oh, okay. So yeah, what do you Baldwin remember Park. about those tournaments? Those are bigger tournaments. Uh, they were at one time. What do you yes, remember? So, well, what I remember uh, back then, you know, because this was the 1990s, uh, because there were so many, so few girls in the sport that all the boxing gear was designed for boys. That was one thing I noticed. So us girls would go in there and we'd fight these battles and then we'd be given a plastic trophy with a boy on the top. <laughs> so, you know, we would joke about that. Um, so it was different then, you know, of course, you know, more more girls got involved. But, you know, it's, what I remember is just, you know, the number of men and boys, you know, outnumbering us girls. Um, and also because there were so few women competing in America at the time that whenever there was a tournament, they'd come from all over the United States to compete at these mm-hmm. things. So it was not uncommon for me to face an opponent more than once just because there were so yeah. few of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, my tournament fights were, were, um, were gnarly uh, physically. I'm thinking of the, the tournament fight I did. It was competing literally three days in a row. And you know with boxing, it takes time for the body to recover after a mm-hmm. boxing match. Well, mm-hmm. I, I'd fight a, you know, three, three rounds and then have to sleep and then get up the next day and fight again every time I had advanced. So it was the first time in my life I had fought three days in a row. It was, it was incredible, but it was quite a physical toll on my body. Yeah, it is. Hey, um, Alicia, out of all the pros out today, who would you compare mm. yourself to? Oh, my goodness. Gosh. You know, the women are so remarkable today, and, and, and they're, they're shining now. Gosh, I, 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 wouldn't, 
I, I can't even think of anybody. I mean, they're, they're so remarkable. I mean, I, I did quite well in the sport, but the ladies that are doing it now, I mean, they far surpassed anything I did. Yeah. And, and you're one of the pioneers. I mean, you are. You want a couple yeah. of golden gloves? You had a pro yes, fight? And yeah. I, I was very fortunate, yes. I, I won two Golden Gloves championship titles, uh, which was obviously very exciting. And my pro debut uh, was named the California Female Fight of the Year. So, you know, I still got some, some really great attention back then. And, and myself and all of my competitors, all those amazing women back then, you know, I believe that we opened the gates for more women to compete now. And I also need to mention that when I was boxing, that women's boxing was not allowed in the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Women were prohibited from competing in the Olympics, which was made possible in 2012. That wasn't that long ago. And I believe myself and all my competitors made that possible. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. And talking about your writing now, you specialize mm-hmm. and have written thousands of inspirational articles. So, mm-hmm. Alicia, what inspires you to spread the good news, as you call it? What inspires me to do that is something that stems from my own darkness and what I grew up with and wanting to use my writing as a way to bring light into the world. And the way to do that is to highlight positive stories. I, you know, those stories include, you know, people have overcome incredible odds. Um, You know, that's what those stories include or children or, or, you know, people that have, overcome things that most people would would not survive and mm-hmm. those stories give me hope and give me strength and and that's what is, has kept me you know specializing in good news because I know that if I read them and I write them and I'm inspired that whoever else reads them is inspired and that's just very important to me just to spread positivity in any way I can I'll be looking at your inspirational art- articles I like stuff like that Oh, so one last great. question. What are you working on right this minute? So right now I am working on my second book, and this is also nonfiction, and it's about a woman uh, who was a cop in Simi Valley back in the 1980s, and she was one of the first. So she is also a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Um, and her name is Flo Trapani, and she faced incredible sexual harassment and discrimination on the force. And she overcame quite a few challenges. So, again, it's another story of, of empowerment, female empowerment. So that's what I'm working on next. That's great. I can't wait to look at your work because I'll be looking a little deeper. Oh, thank you, Lupe, for this opportunity. It's been amazing. And thank you for coming on. You really you have a great vibe. You really do. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me, uh, you know, this to look forward to. It's been really wonderful, especially with the social isolation. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Felipe? Yes. Alicia, let's go back a little bit to um, when you started boxing. What was the reaction uh-huh. from your family? Like, did you come home with black eyes, scrapes, your friends saying, hey, what's going on? You mentioned you had a little bit of a of background in uh domestic violence, they, they thought you were maybe masking the results of, of, of some kind of a dispute with, with boxing, or what was their reaction when they would see you bruised up? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, well, the, uh, the abusive relationship I was in, I, I didn't talk about because, until I wrote the book. Um, it was something that I was very ashamed of, to be honest with you. So 
nobody knew that background. Uh, they, they did know that I was sparring and training, and I loved getting the, the, the bruises and the black eyes. I wore those very proudly when I earned those in the ring. So sometimes I wouldn't even cover them up. Um, I mean, they weren't that bad. And if anybody asked, I would just say, you know, I would just tell them. It was in a, I was sparring and then, you know, tell them about the, my role in the boxing world. Um, those were colleagues and, and, you know, of course, my friends, you know, they would ask about it. But my family, um, they were very worried that I was going to get hurt. Their reaction was was normal. My um, my brother tried to scare me out of doing it. Um, my mother didn't like it at all. She was very afraid for me. Uh, they they never came to my matches because they couldn't stomach it. But but I understood that, and I also knew getting going into the sport that there would be some people that that wouldn't be able to be supportive for whatever reason. I knew that going into it. So um, now, when they reacted that way, I understood. Now, looking at your record on BoxRec, you only had one professional fight, and that's the one that was named the 2000 Female Fight of the Year. Why only one fight? Was that planned, or it fizzled out? What happened? Why only one professional fight? Uh, well, and that's in the book as well, and I, I, I explain what happened after that fight but there's a reason, and I don't want to spoil anything, but, um, you know, pro fight is, is really, um, was very hard. It was, it was, an, it was an incredible battle. And, and my, my competitor, Lisa Valencia and I just, um, we never stopped throwing. It was a remarkable battle. We both got hurt. And mm. after that fight, you know, I, I am a writer. I am a journalist. I, I do need my brain. Um, <laughs> mm. I just, I just weighed it out and, you know, how long it took me to heal. And I, I have to throw in the money factor. Lisa and I, you know, we didn't get paid a lot of money. You know, if, if either one of us did, perhaps we would have done it again. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's another thing, you know, this huge disparity in the amount of money that women make in boxing versus the men, you know, that, that needs to change. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, it was a hard battle, and I, I didn't want to risk um, my safety. Now, that was my next question, just so that people could mm-hmm. put it in perspective, because that is a mm-hmm. big point of contention right now in female boxing, where every mm-hmm. interview that we do here on our show, um, one of the biggest points is the fighters want to bet not so much. They, they want to get paid fairly, and they, they're getting paid quite possibly a lot more money than you got paid. So what did you get paid for mm-hmm. that fight back in 1990, in the late 1990s? Oh, my gosh. A few hundred bucks. Couple and, hundred, you know, yeah, a few hundred dollars. So, and then, you know, of course, I had my my cornerman. I had two two coaches, you know, who trained mm. me for that fight, and and I wanted to pay them, and they were such great guys that they they didn't want me to pay them, you know. But of course, I'm going to do that. Of course, I'm going to take that out of my purse because they, you know, these you know, these coaches spend hours and days and you know, physically training us. And not only that, but they're there for us emotionally because, you know, fighters go through a lot of emotions preparing for battle. So, but, um, you know, I mean, we do it more. Of course, the money is important, but I, I think that fighters, boxers, that we don't do it for the money, but at the same time, the money is very important because of what we go through. Uh, you know, and especially in the pros, you know, we should be making more. The women should be paid as equally as the men. The, the women's fights are, are, are incredibly exciting, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's, it's uh, the best fight of the night. Um, yeah. <laughs> how closely do you follow boxing now, the female boxing world? How closely do you follow it? I don't 
follow it as closely now as I did back then, of course. Um, but I know there's a lot of young girls coming up, these, these incredible athletes, very young. And it's very exciting to see. And what's nice is that now these girls, you know, if these, if these girls want to compete in the Olympics, they can. There's nothing holding them back. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing for me is seeing that these girls now, they've got that Olympic dream in reach if they want to go for it. What did you want a reader that's, let's say I, I read your book, I close the last page. What do you want me to walk away with from your book? I want it to make people think and I'm hoping that it provides a a bit of comfort um, because, you know, life is a battle. Life, life is a fight, but it's important to stay in the fight because the only way out is through. So, you know, boxing is like a big metaphor. You know, the book is a box uses boxing as a huge metaphor for life. You know, the ring is, is life, the ring of life. You know, the opponent is life. And you've got to face mm-hmm. it head on. And that's now, the way out. Where, where can people find your book? Oh, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And um, I should also mention that I did sign a movie deal on April 5th. So mm. a film is now in development. And that's very when exciting. Are- and and mm-hmm. Go ahead, I'm finished. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, oh, that's okay. Um, so that is with Empowering Entertainment uh, with a woman named Slavika Bogdanov, who's a brilliant uh, screenwriter. So that's in development, and that's very exciting. So as of right now, we probably don't have a tentative date of when that movie can come out? Uh, at the very, very earliest, but it's probably not going to happen because of what's going on. Uh, we were yeah, February 2021, uh, but that's um, a very early projection. It probably won't happen by then, but at the very earliest, it could. It just depends on how quickly we get things rolling. And do you have a tentative release date for your next book, the one about the police officer? I do not, but my, my plan is to have it published perhaps at the end of July. Okay, Ms. Doyle, well, we appreciate you being here with us. And before we let you know, why don't you go ahead and share your um, social media, so that way our followers can follow your story and uh, possibly contact you with any questions and then look for uh, any further uh, books from you or any other articles that you might be publishing in the near future. Oh, sure. I can be easily found on my website, which is aliciadoyle.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook under Alicia Doyle. And I can be contacted at alicia at aliciadoyle.com. Well, there you have it, folks. We want to thank you, Ms. Doyle, for being here on the show with us. And hopefully we can have you on again. Maybe when that movie comes out, we can talk about that. I'd love it. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. Have a good night. And there you have it, folks. Uh, Author Alicia Doyle and her book, uh, Fighting Chance, her story of uh, getting into boxing in the late 90s and how it helped her uh, change her life in a certain way. So um, we've had, you know, we've had boxers obviously here on our show. We've had managers, we've had trainers, we had promoters, we've had managers, but that is the first time we have an author on our show. So that was a, that was a good, uh, interesting interview. And um, hopefully uh, I'm going to try to find that book and, and get a, and read it myself. Yeah, me too. 
Well, uh, let's move on now to uh, some stories, um, not stories, but some news here of what is going on in the boxing world. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, boxing is coming back for the first time since the end of March. We do have um, a calendar. We actually have a fight to announce that's going to happen in the next two weeks. Our next show is scheduled for uh, June 11th. And that is the first time since the end of March that we've actually had a fight, a female fight to look forward to. But before we get into that, let's talk about a little bit of the news that's going around in the female uh, boxing world. Um, Clarissa Shields' eyes are returned in August, and she has gone on record stating that she's willing to fight without fans in her first fight back. She says she won't fight at home until fans are allowed, though. She won't fight in Flint, Michigan, where it was program her next fight was scheduled for May 9th in Flint, Michigan on Showtime against the IBF Super Welterweight Champion Mary Eve DeCary. But now that it doesn't look like it's gonna be there in her fight in August, um we don't know if is gonna be the opponent because of travel restrictions, even though Canada it looks like their numbers are tar- are starting to uh curve down. But still, we don't know if she's gonna be able to get into the country. So Clarissa Shields is looking to come back in August. Do you think uh, it's a good move for her, Lupi, to put that caveat there of not fighting in her hometown unless fans can be there? Wait, unless who can be there? Basically, she is stating that she won't fight in her hometown of Flint, Michigan, unless her fans can be there. If fans can't be there, then she'll oh. fight anywhere else, but not in her hometown. I mean, yeah, that's that's fine. She should bring it somewhere else anyway. I mean, after what happened the last time, maybe it's just better to do it someplace else. Mm. David, what do you think about her uh, condition, about fans not being there and so her not fighting in her hometown? Yeah, it's understandable. She really wants her fans to be there. Uh, And why waste the opportunity in Flint? Um, She can fight anywhere. Uh, since there's not going to be any fans, it doesn't really matter. True. Now, as long as it gets broadcast on on network, which hopefully is Showtime, and if it's against Mary Eve DeCary, then it's even better. Uh, Another thing, there's a lot of, quite honestly, Clarissa Shields, at least in the United States, is the biggest name in female boxing. I mean, you know, her everything that she says, or or, I mean, she's very um, controversial as well as her statements, some of her statements. But also, she's making some some moves out there. Just recently, she was uh, featured on a major network, on NBC, I believe it was, on a show called, what was the show called, Lupi? The Titan Games with uh, The The Rock. He was hosting. The Rock was the host. It was kind of like a competition show where they ran through an obstacle course. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. for Clarissa Shields, she was uh, defeated by a hip, what was that? She was like an Olympic athlete, right? But like a hepathon or something like that. Those, those, uh, yeah, one of those. Uh, and, and honestly, I saw the video and she got defeated. I mean, it, it could be imagined, you know, the obstacle course was like climbing and picking things up. And obviously it's not something that a boxer is used to. And, and maybe different muscles are used in the competition that the woman that beat her more than a boxer. 
So Carissa looked like she was struggling in that competition. But at the end of the day, you know, when they have those shows, they introduce you. They say who you are. They probably have a little bit in it about her life and her career. So if anything, she got a good amount of exposure on a major network with none other than The Rock as the host. Mm -hmm. And I could only imagine that the ratings for the show were pretty high because it is during the pandemic where there isn't a lot of um, Mm – new entertainment so that could only be good news for Clarissa Shields being on that show even though now by the looks of it she's eliminated from it and now the winner will move on to I guess another competition but she did get featured on there just like Floyd Mayweather Jr. at one point there was a before and after to his career when he was featured on um, what was that show called the something dance a dance competition oh, yeah. that he was on Star? Yeah, he yeah, was on there, and, he, and and you know, and people, and people, and he became. I mean, he didn't become a household name, but a lot more people that have never probably even seen a <laughs> boxing match knew who Floyd Mayweather Jr. was. Some some housewife in in uh, the Midwest who had never seen boxing in her life knew who Floyd Mayweather Jr. was because he was on that competition. So exactly. It, same thing could happen could happen for Clarissa Shields. Now, also in more Shields news, in a recent interview, she mentioned the four opponents she could face for an event to be pay per view. This is her opinion. Shields stated that if she were to face uh, any of these four uh, fighters, that in her view, it should be a pay per view event. Obviously, on top of that list is the undefeated retired former heavyweight champion Layla Ali. We all know the story. There's been a lot of back and forth, whether Layla Ali, the daughter of the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, were to come back after 12, 13 years, if not longer, of of not fighting more, I think. It's been longer. Um, If she were to come back and face Clarissa Shields, Clarissa feels that that should be a pay-per-view event. Also, a rematch with the current WBA Super Welterweight Champion, Anna Gabriels. That fight was first featured on Showtime. And Anna Gabriels is the only fighter, amateur or pro, that has sent Clarissa Shields down to the campus. Gabriels mm-hmm. scored a knockdown in that fight. So Clarissa Shields feels that a rematch against her uh, merits a pay-per-view event. Also, a rematch with the current 160-pound champion, WBO champion, Franchon Cruz Desern. Um, you know, they actually have faced each other in their pro debuts on the undercard of Andre Ward against Sergey Kovalev. Clarissa Shields has gone on record to say that that's been her toughest fight to date. So she merits uh, that as a pay-per-view event and also against the unified welterweight champion, Cecilia Breakers. So, Lupi, do would you pay forty nine ninety five? I'm not even going sixty nine ninety five. I'm not going fifty nine ninety five. I'm going forty nine ninety five for one of these <laughs> fights to be the main event with a pretty good undercard, you know, yeah. an enticing undercard, but the main event being Clarissa Shields against one of these fighters. Which of these fighters would entice you? Would have you go to your husband and say, "Hey, honey, tonight I'm gonna pay forty nine ninety five and we're gonna watch Clarissa Shields fight <laughs> one of these women." Which one would it be? It depends on my mood. But first, first off, I would say Hannah Gabriel because I mean mm. she's the only one to knock her down. I'd love to see that fight. 
But it, and it does depend on my mood. So I might say, you know what, because with the whole label, I'm like, are we still talking about it? Let's, it's not going to happen. I might. I would do it. Depends on my mood. But to be a serious, but, it would be Hannah Gabriel's for sure. Wow. Wow. Well, how about you, David? Which one would you go get your, um, what's that place called that you got the margaritas? They opened up again, I think. The place by oh, your. Oh, yeah, El Patron. <laughs> El Patron, yeah. Oh, El Cholos. Or my office. Oh, my office, no, El Cholos. Cholos is too far. <laughs> you would have to drive all the way to downtown LA and then drive all the way back. Which one would you go get some takeout from El Patron? With the to go margarita on the rocks because I know that's how you like them. It's on the rocks, right? That's how you like them. Yeah, on the rocks, on the rocks. Yeah, on the rocks. Come back no home call. and sell out the forty nine ninety five. Which fight? Uh, truthfully, I, I'm being honest to God truth. Any of them, any of them, I do. Wow. Any you of would those, pay, any you of would those pay you mentioned. You would pay people. Hey, I, 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 I mean. If people are paying $99 to see a Floyd Mayweather fight, definitely $49 to see yeah. uh, Clarissa Shields. You're going to see action, too. <laughs> but do you do you think, and Lupe, too, do you think that any of those fights merit to be a pay-per-view? For me, for me, they do. For me, any one of those. The only caveat I would, I would add is that it would be a three-minute Round, not a two-minute round. Uh, yeah, twelve rounds that, or ten. Paper, uh, ten rounds would be okay, but three-minute rounds, not two-minute rounds. That's that's too fast for a pay-per-view. True. You, well, I mean, when people did pay back then, you know, paper Mike Tyson pay-per-views where they lasted a minute and a half. Uh, you know, exactly. the fight did, but people were willing to exactly. pay that. My 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 issue here is. I don't know if a female fight yet can can convince the boxing public that they should pay a pay-per-view uh, fee. You know, especially now that different entities in the boxing world are trying to get rid of pay-per-view. So to turn around and say, hey, you know, I don't, basically what I'm trying to get at, it's hard to explain, is like, like we shouldn't make these any of these fights are great fights. Maybe the Leila Ali, maybe on paper it's not a great fight. Maybe it's more of a of a you know of a freak sideshow to see what Leila Ali could do against Clarissa Shields yeah, with the exactly. the age difference and everything. But all these other fights are competitive fights as we've seen. Anna Gabriel, Lupi mentioned it. Want to see if Gabriel could pull it off and do it again? Franchon Cruz deserved. See if she learned something from that first fight and the experience she has gained from that pro debut on that undercard in Vegas, or obviously Cecilia Breakhouse, what can happen with the unified welterweight champion? I mean, obviously these are all very competitive fights, fights that we want to see. But do we want to put that wall, do we want to put that fence up of making it a pay-per-view to minimize the public? In other words, we should try to have all the people that we can see these fights because these fights might make other people be interested in female boxing. But if we put that wall of pay-per-view to get through and pay the $50, it's going to minimize the public and then, you know, reduce the exposure that this fight can have. Very good point. You know, that's that's my thing. Now, I'm not saying they don't deserve to be pay-per-view fights, 
But what I'm saying is that I don't think that female boxing is at the point now where we have the luxury to say, hey, if you want to see a great fight, you're going to have to pay more instead of try to put it out there so that people can see it and get interested in the sport. That's that's what I'm trying to say. So um, obviously Clarissa is, you know, understandably so, and I support her trying to get the most money that she can and pay-per-view would help her do that. But I think that for the love of the sport and for the better part of the sport that we shouldn't um, put any obstacles as far as seeing these great fights because all of them are, are really good fights. Now, Amanda Serrano, who is preparing to face unified lightweight champion Katie Taylor on a tentative date of July 4th in Manchester, England, says that despite Taylor's experience advantage because of all her amateur experience, I mean, Katie Taylor, I think she has, if not 300, more than 300 amateur fights. She's been to Olympics. She's won it all as far as an amateur. She's undisputed, un, un, the undisputed, undefeated um, uh, lightweight champion. After all that experience, she believes it will come down to who wants to fight more. This is what Amanda Serrano said. She also reveals she needs to be mentally stronger than in her previous fights since the fight will be in hostile territory. Serrano feels she will not only be facing Taylor, but the judges. David, you know, what do you think about her statement regarding um, the judges the fact that it's going to be in England, even though there is not going to be a crowd. Do you think that without the crowd there, it still gives the home turf advantage to Katie Taylor? Uh, yeah. I Well, it depends on who the judges are. If the judges are from Great Britain or the United Kingdom, then yes, it is going to be hostile judges. Uh, if, if they're pulled and brought from different countries, neutral countries, well, then it's an even fight. But if they're uh, judges from the U.K. or from Europe only, then uh, Amanda's going to be in for an uphill battle, in my opinion. Do you agree, Lupi? Yeah, I do agree. Uh, yeah, with everything David said. Hey, but aren't they throwing around the idea of the round robin? Weren't there four girls? Uh, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano. Weren't they doing yeah, something but- like that, talking about it? Well, I mean, it wasn't like a like a set on stone type of tournament, but this fight has been signed, yeah. sealed, and delivered. They've been waiting for the date. You know, yeah. Eddie Hearn has hinted at putting on some fights in the in his backyard. He has like a bunch of land out there in in England, so maybe not doing it at the Men, which is the Manchester um, Arena out there in England. Obviously, why pay the rent of a place that big? Uh, when yeah. you can have it in the backyard. True. So he's been hinting at that. Um, I think, although supposedly the rules state, at least for some of the sanctioning bodies, is that the judges can't be from uh, a certain amount of miles from the hometown of each fighter. And if, if you can try to separate the country, I think it's going to be very difficult because if this fight's going to go down, now imagine this. Let's say they have it in Eddie Hearn's backyard, right? And so it's going to be in the backyard. There's not going to be a ticket, off, a ticket, you know. You're not going to have any uh, ticket sales. You're obviously going to get a, 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 a licensing fee from the zone. But you're going to have to pay Kay Taylor, quite possibly the biggest person of her career, 
You're going to have to pay, obviously, Amanda Serrano's biggest purse of the career. But then you're going to have to pay all the sanctioning fees for the four different sanctioning bodies. Now, at least the WBC, I don't know about the rest of them, but I've seen that the WBC has actually stated that they're going to reduce their fee to sanction yeah. a world title fight. But I don't know by how much. But still, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, from my experience, you're probably talking about $20,000 worth of sanctioning fees. So if you could save some money and not have to fly a guy from the United States and a guy from another continent to England, I'm sure that Eddie Hearn is going to look into that. Yeah. Now, David, now if the if the judge is Italian, would you be would you still think the same? Like let's say let's say none of let's say one judge is from England and the rest of them are from neighboring European countries like France. Well, there's no neighbor in England because they're like on they're on an island. But other European countries, France, Spain, you know, Germany, uh, Italy. Would you think that she would still be uh, at a disadvantage? Yes, I do. Because they're because they're probably seeing Taylor like a European fight, European tournaments, things like that. Yes, exactly. I, I would think it would have to be somebody from South America, somebody from Asia, somebody from Africa, mm-hmm. you know, or even the U.S. But well, well she's from be, the U.S. Yeah. I mean, they could bring somebody from Africa, probably northern Africa, because I don't think the flight would be all that much different. But also, we also have to, we also have to think about, um, you know, COVID and, and travel restrictions and and cool. all that stuff um, as far as bringing in the judges. Um, now, also one that has been training since early this year, and she actually was on the show not too long ago and uh, talked about it, um, is. Cecilia Breakhouse, away from her home country of Norway, Breakhouse has been working with trainer Abel Sanchez in Big Bear, California. She recently stated her next fight against unified junior welterweight champion Jessica McCaskill could be as early as July. With the win over McCaskill, Breakhouse will have defended a version of her crown 25 times, breaking Joe Lewis's record set um, last century. No word where the fight will take place but because this station will be open to fight in England, being that they're both with the zone and being that Eddie Hearn, like I mentioned earlier, is thinking about putting on some fight, some fights on his backyard. Maybe they fly both of them into that backyard and, and have the fight there. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Now there's been rumors. There's been rumors that the zone is in financial troubles and that you know there's there's having some issues. But Eddie Hearn came out publicly a couple of days ago to state that they actually have a meeting. I think tomorrow with the zone he does to go over the plans of coming back. Now we already stated that Top Rank has already announced that they are coming back in June. Sanford in Mexico is coming back in June. Promociones del Pueblo also in Mexico is coming back in June. The PBC is tentatively thinking July or August, and Eddie Hearn has also stated maybe July, maybe August. So we'll see what happens there. So moving on to our upcoming calendar, the first one in about almost two months, we do have an upcoming fight Tuesday, June 9th on ESPN from what is being reported on the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Closed doors, no fans. 
Mikaela Mayer versus Helen Joseph in a 10-rounder at 135 pounds. David, I believe that it's going to be closed doors. No media is going to be allowed either, uh, neither uh, uh, at the fight card, correct? Uh, yes, and I'm hearing the Mandalay, not the MGM. Uh, but it could still be the it's MGM property. Yeah, I I, I mentioned MGM because it, that's how it was reported on BoxRec. But you know that's not set in stone. It might be it might be in Mandalay Bay as well. But they stated that there's not going to be any media in 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 there, right? Right, exactly. Well, the reason why is because they would have to test the media too, and that's mm. extra money. Now, David, let me ask you, because you, you've been a part of the media way longer than, than Lupi and I have, and, and you're very uh, recognized and respected. What's it going to take for you, David Avila, to be ringside at, at a fight in the near future? As far as what for you, my- for you, you, what you, your rules as for yourself feeling safe, being at a fight card? Um, I think I'm going to wait till next year. Honestly, I'll just wait till next year because yeah. uh, there's there's still concern about a second wave. Uh, there's mm-hmm. still a lack of education on what exactly the virus is and can do. Uh, there's going to be uh, some surprises. So I'm going to wait until next year to find out what's going on. Uh, I'm still going to do a lot of reporting. Most of it them via telephone and um you know i'll take it from there now as far as this fight as far as this fight any news any reporting any idea of why they went with helen joseph and not melissa hernandez who was the original opponent slated for march actually it was going to be march 15th the traditional st patrick's day uh, fight card set by top rank in New York City, which Mayer was going to face Melissa Hernandez. Now, Helen Joseph, Melissa Hernandez from the United States, no issue there in getting, out of the, in getting into the country since she's already in the country. Helen Joseph from the East Coast, Melissa Hernandez from the East Coast. Why no Melissa Hernandez? Gee, that's a good question. I really don't know. Um, either one, they're so different in styles. Helen Joseph is completely different from Melissa Hernandez in terms of experience, in terms of height and weight, and it's just a whole different fight. And neither one is going to be easy for Michaela. Neither one. To, mm-hmm. to me, it's just a different fight completely. What do you think, Lupi? Yeah, I mean, I think the same. I think Melissa, she'd be no walk in the park. I mean, she may be older, but she's not going to be easy. And Helen, who... She hasn't fought, like, she was saying she can't get a fight, she can't get a fight. And then last year, what, she fought three times, or this will be her third? So she's getting her work in, so it won't be easy. I mean, now, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. Well, one thing that Melissa proved, and we had her here on the show, I I think it was, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't have my report in front of me anymore. I have to look it up. but one thing that she did prove is that even though she is older, she's not a walk in the park, as she proved it against Selena Barrios, 
who, you know, was undefeated. They tapped Melissa Hernandez after more than two years outside the boxing ring, and Melissa Hernandez went in there and taught her a boxing lesson. Now, would she be able to do that against a taller, more polished um, Michaela Mayer? Who knows? But at least we would have seen um, a tough test for Mayer. But I do believe that Helen Joseph um, is a tough fight as well. Um, maybe a little bit out of her weight class. I know that she, she usually fights at about 126 pounds. But my question, I don't know if you guys have heard anything, is it for the NABF title? Is Michaela Mayer defending? No. So I don't understand why it's a 10-rounder because NABF title, title fights are eight rounds, and if there's no other title in effect, I believe they're just doing like a special attraction 10-rounder. Well, I'm I'm sure one of the reasons is that if she's going to fight for the title, she has to know what 10 rounds is like. So I don't think you necessarily need to have a title to fight 10 rounds. There's no law that says you have to. You can fight mm-hmm. 100 rounds if you want to. But uh, I think she she wants a 10-round fight, and her trainers want a 10-round fight to prepare her for that 10-round title fight, full title. Hmm. I, let me ask you this because I just, just – I, I got a good, I got a, a, an idea. So another point of contention that we've had in the 87 episodes here on the show, you know, like we mentioned with our interview, Alicia Doyle is pay. Obviously the other point is the two minute against the three minute round. Right. Yeah. Um, would you be more open loopy? And then we'll go with David. Let's say the commissions and the, and the commissions and the, uh, and the boxing organization say, okay, look guys, we're not going to do the two minute, the three-minute round. We're not going to do that. But we will give you 12-round title fights. Would you be okay with that, Lupi? Or would you say, no, we want three-minute rounds, even if it's only for 10 rounds? Um, I'd like the three-minute round. But I also feel like it's the fighter's choice because I always think the first thing when it comes to this argument is how much are they getting paid? Is it worth it to them? Fight those three minutes. That's what I always think about. Their personal choice. Is it worth David? Uh, I, I favor the three minute round because it's an entirely different fight once you get from two minutes to three minutes. One's a sprint and the other is more of a distance fight. And uh, I think it determines skill a lot more. And uh, I mean, that in itself, I mean, I think we saw that in the Sinisa Estrada, Marlon Esparza fight, that there was a lot more skill involved, a lot more strategy, and it, it just makes an entirely different fight. And uh, to to me, it's it's just more compelling. I agree. And now, now one thing that I don't like about a, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you non-title 10-round fights, because then it doesn't make it mm-hmm. special a, a title 10-round fight or a 12-round fight for males. Like, you have the special attraction, 12-round fight. It's kind of... It's more um, it's more common in, in, in male boxing than in female boxing. You hardly... But I just want to see, you know, something special happen. If the limit of the, of the rounds is going to be 10 rounds, then if you're going to fight 10 rounds, I want it to be special. I don't want it just to be 
for, for just to fight the 10 rounds. I wanted it to be something special. I wanted it to be attached to a title, even if it's the NBF title, even if it's an international title, an intercontinental title, or a silver title. I wanted it to be special. So if I had the choice and they told me, you know, we'll do two-minute rounds, but now we will allow you to go 12 rounds and those are going to be the title fights, I would seriously consider it because I would want to make that 12-round fight something special. I don't want to just have a 10-round fight just to get the practice because, or to get the, 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 the uh, conditioning. I wanted it to be for something special. That's my opinion, well, well, and that's why I fight well, what it. Here, here's a counter question. What if Katie Taylor was to fight Amanda Serrano and they, there was no titles involved? They said, you know what? We don't want to pay sanctioning fees. Would you want that an eight-round or a ten-round fight? Eight rounds, and I'll tell you why. Because, like you say, the fight would be different. The fight would be different. Now Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano have to figure out a way of beating each other, not with the luxury of a 10-rounder, but an 8-rounder. So if one Mm. tends to start slower, well, guess what? You're going to have to start faster because you're going to be two rounds less. You know, and mm-hmm. if, if for it to be special, it would have to be a ten rounder. Good question, David. I like it, but at the same at the same way, the fight would ha- would be different because now it's gonna be a shorter fight, and it's gonna want me leaving wanting more. But they're gonna have to fight different now because it's gonna be an eight round fight. Interesting. Now, before we I, go, we're almost at the. Go ahead, Lupi. Sorry. No, I was gonna say a great example. Um, with Sinisa and Marlene, you know, they had that, uh, it was 10 rounds, but it was three, right? Mm-hmm. What, yes. Two minutes? Three minute rounds. Three minute and that rounds, was yeah. great. Outside the headbutt, that was just, it was action packed to see mm-hmm. that extra minute, you know, for Marlene who wanted the three minute round. That was great. But that was, a, that was, a, the, I mean, I, I, hopefully, maybe soon we'll, we'll ask Marlene to be back on the show. And maybe oh, with, yeah. with months, you know, it's been, you know, more than six months since the fight. She has gone on social media asking for the rematch repeatedly. She's back to her old self, you know, calling out Sinis Estrada and asking for the fight. Sinis Estrada has rebutted some of the comments by saying, let's fight at 108 pounds. But one of the things that we did learn from that fight before the fight is that according to the reports, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that Marlene was the one that asked for that three-minute round, yes. that she made it a point yes. for it to yes. be a three-minute round. Was that – I want to ask Marlene if I – with hindsight being 2020, was that a mistake? Because we all saw it, and she might not admit it, but we all saw that the one that looked more tired, and to a certain extent, you can blame it on the loss of blood because – What's in blood? Oxygen. And you're losing a lot of it, which she did because of that headbutt. You might get tired a little bit faster. So, But she did look the more tired of the two by the end of that ninth round when the fight was stopped. So one question that I would want to ask Marlene is, was that a mistake? Were you, did you, would you would have wished of having a couple of fights under your belt with three minutes, even if there weren't 10 rounds, but maybe eight rounds, maybe six rounds with three minutes to get the feel of it. Although I've been in a bunch of boxing gyms where women are training and most of the time they're doing three minutes sparring rounds. So they're used to yeah. it, but 
obviously yeah. sparring and a, a real fight. The adrenaline is there. The no headgear is there. The smaller gloves are there. The crowd is there. So that makes a big difference. So that's a good that's a good question that I would like to ask Marlene and, and see if it was a good idea by her part to insist on that three minute round for that for this fight. Yeah, it is. It is a very good question. I think uh, I, you know, I I got to give her credit for asking for that three minute round because uh, it really made that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, it could have been a completely different fight if it was a two minute round as well. Either way, maybe Cienesa would have imposed her will sooner. Maybe maybe she wouldn't. Maybe Marlene would have had a different strategy. Who knows? Next fight, would it be two minutes? Would it be three minutes? Being that Sinesa won that first fight, um, it would be her choice, I would imagine. And she stated on the show before that she would love to do another three-minute rounds, that she wants all her fights to be three-minute rounds. But if yeah. she wants to fight for the WBC World Titles, that's not going to happen because the WBC, as we all know, is one of the biggest supporters of the two-minute round. Now, before we go, because we are coming up to the end of the show, just one quick thing. I don't know if you guys have seen this commercial. I just saw it yesterday. I thought it was pretty it's pretty good. It's for the Nissan Altima. Have you seen it? No. A young girl, maybe I don't know, 10, 11 years old, jumps into the car with I think her mom or an older sister and she has boxing gloves with her and says, you know, she had a tough time and the coach didn't treat her right and and um, so then the, the, the older woman gives her a pep talk and the little girl asks to go back to the boxing gym and she goes back to the boxing gym and gives it another shot. I thought it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty uh, interesting and, 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 and great to see that they could have picked any sport. Could have picked her up at the park with a baseball uh, a bat playing softball. She struck out. Yeah. And, you know, and she goes back and practice some more. She could have been in soccer. She could have been the goalie. She lets some goals in. She goes back to the park and she tries again. But she, it was boxing. It could have been karate. She couldn't break the board, That's whatever. Crazy. But it was boxing. So if you guys have a chance, I don't know if you guys could Google it or find it on YouTube. It's only like 30 seconds long, but I thought it was pretty pretty interesting and, and a good thing to yeah. see that boxing yeah, is starting to jump a little bit into more into the mainstream. With that, with that said, anything yeah. you want to add, Lupi, remind everybody about your Zoom call tomorrow uh, afternoon. Yes, yeah, so our Zoom call tomorrow is on Boxing Meets Beauty. It's a Zoom call on Facebook. Um, we'll also be connected to Beautiful Brawlers. So that's at 5 p.m. California time. Um, I mean, we're talking all female combat sports, amateur and pros. Yes, yeah, so that's have tomorrow. Some... So we are, and if I could just, um, let's see, Instagram, Boxing Meets Beauty, Beautiful Brawlers. Twitter, Boxing Meets Beauty, Beautiful Brawlers. Facebook, Boxing Meets Beauty, Beautiful Brawlers. And you're going to be having uh, some guests that you're going to announce tomorrow, correct? Yes. Okay. So David, anything you want? Or, um, social media. David, anything you want to add? Uh, no, not today, Felipe. All righty. So our next show is slated for Thursday, June 11th. We will be talking in detail about the first fight in our boxing calendar since March, that Mikaela Mayer against Helen Joseph fight, yeah. and everything else that is coming up. So with that said, we bid you good night. We thank you. All right, guys, here we go. Four, two-minute
Sorry, sorry. We thank you. We thank Alicia Doyle for being with us, and we bid you good night. And now.